On Memorial Day, we remember and honor the sacrifices of those who defend the freedom of our country. And as John was just saying, today we'll be focusing our time on the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Our text for today comes from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. So the book of, the book of Hebrews summarized is that Jesus exceeds everything. Jesus is supreme, Jesus is greater than Moses, and Jesus is greater than the Mosaic law. Jesus is greater than the angels, and Jesus is a greater sacrifice than bulls and goats in the Old Testament. And this is what we will spend a majority of our time on today. So Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, summarizes the book of Hebrews beautifully. The Son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to those. That was verses 3 and 4 of uh, chapter 1. So, in these ways, Jesus reflects the glory of God, meaning that the Son shares the same essence as the Father, which means Jesus is God, the Son of God. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross provided the purification of our sins for each and every one of us. And he reigns at the right hand of majesty in heaven. Can I get an amen to that? All right, with that summary, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. The verses will be on the side screens as well. And while everyone's opening their Bibles to the book of Hebrews, I've got a joke for you. Speaking of Moses, does anyone know how Moses made his coffee? <laughs> Some of you know what's coming. He brews it. He brews it. <laughs> okay, so now that the obnoxious dad joke is out of the way, let's go ahead and turn our attention to the text for today. Thank you for the laughter. But... Before we begin, let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your word that you have given to us through your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would speak to us today as a community of believers as we turn our hearts to you and turn our hearts to your word for direction. Pray that you would open up our eyes, open up our ears to hear and see what you have to say to us today, Lord through the power of your word. And we love you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeatedly, endlessly, year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, 
would they not have stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once and for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I've come to do your will, my God. First he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where, these have, and where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. The first point that we will discuss today is the limitations of the Mosaic Law, or the Old Covenant. What we see in this first part of the section, is verses 1 through 4, is that there are limitations that existed within the Old Covenant, Mosaic Covenant, Sinai Covenant, interchangeable, that God made with his people on the Mount, on Mount Sinai in Exodus. And this is a covenant that God made with his people through Moses, depicted in Exodus 19 through 24. The event at Mount Sinai is depicted in Exodus, which is the second book in the Bible, the Old Covenant contains God's revealed law to the Israelites after they had escaped Egypt. So the Sinai Covenant begins with Ten Commandments and is followed by a long list of ritual ordinances. And then the book goes on to describe these ritual ordinances and instructions as to how the Israelites should honor God through various sacrifices. So there were animal sacrifices that the Jewish people had to make bulls and goats that would be mere temporary coverings or atonements for sins that they had committed. They would have to make these offerings year after year for the temporary covering 
of their sins. And you can read about all these sacrifices in Leviticus chapters 4 through 6 and the process of making sin and guilt offerings. And then the author of Hebrews says that because it has to be offered every year, it can never make perfect those who draw near to worship. The Sinai Covenant concludes with the instructions about the creation of the tabernacle, which is a portable sanctuary where God's presence dwelled, and there would, there, they would have to make their sacrifices there, and then eventually the temple was built where God dwelt within the temple, and then they would make sacrifices in the permanent structure in Jerusalem. And I just say all of this just as historical context and historical background to the scripture that we are going over today. More so that there are limitations to the old covenant, and that we can see these limitations, in light of Christ's coming in the fulfillment of the law. He did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law, as you see in Matthew 5.17. As the author of Hebrews says in verse 4, that it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The author echoes similar words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 17. And the author of Hebrews doesn't completely disregard the Old Covenant. He doesn't disregard the Old Testament, but makes a comparison. They say that the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming and not the realities themselves. I love this analogy of a shadow. Our son... Zephaniah, you can see him on the screen there. He's currently about one and a half years old, and he has recently started to become mesmerized by shadows. So we'll be following, he'll be following me while I'm walking down the hallway, and then, then I realize that he's about 15 feet behind me, just staring at a shadow and touching a shadow. He's just trying to figure out what it is. And then... One time we were walking down the hall and we had one of these shadow moments and I realized that he was playing with a shadow. So my hand was casting the shadow and then he came to the realization of noticing that my hand was causing the shadow. So he kept looking at my hand, looking at the shadow, looking at my hand, looking at the shadow. And then he had that light bulb moment of just realizing your hand is casting the shadow. So it's just fascinating to see him connect the dots and just to see him come to that realization that the hand was casting the shadow. And really, the simplicity of kids sometimes, you can have a room full of toys and they just want to play with a shadow. <laughs> but in this analogy that the author is using, he's saying the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming. The law, like a shadow, pointing to another object. It points to something else. And in verse 5, we see what that points to. Does anyone know who that is or what that is? Jesus, the Sunday school answer, Jesus. The eternal Son of God, Jesus, came into the world. John 1.14 the Word, the eternal Son of God, became flesh. He became human, 
and he made his dwelling among us. He became one of us. Hebrews 4.15, that we have a great high priest, Jesus, who is able to empathize with our weakness because he has been tempted in every way just like we are because he became one of us, fully God and fully human. There's a lot in that statement that Christ came into the world. And the rest of verse 5 through 7 is a quote from Psalm 40, which continues to the point to the Old Testament to say that this was the plan all along. That these systems that were set in place in the Old Testament were only temporary systems that were set in place. And when you read verses 5 and 6, they are direct quotes from Psalm 40. Imagine if you were reading the scriptures before Jesus came, which states... Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. If I read that before Jesus came, I would think to myself, reading that, why am I doing these sacrifices if God doesn't want it? God doesn't desire these sacrifices that I'm bringing to him, but yet it's required for me by the law to do it. But these verses point to the future coming of Jesus and just the temporary nature of the old covenant. And that's what we see in verse 9 as the writer said that he sets to set aside the first to establish the second. And that is referencing to setting aside the first, the old covenant, to inaugurate or to bring in the new covenant that we see Jesus bring in, usher in at the Lord's Supper, which we'll be celebrating communion as a community together shortly, which is a celebration of the new covenant and the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. For this entire first section that we've been talking about, the author has been saying the old covenant is only a temporary covenant. The old way is temporary. And then in verse 10, they point to that new covenant. In verse 10, it says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. Once and for all. One sacrifice by Jesus on the cross once and for all. No other sacrifice is needed. Verses 11 through 14 continually hammer in that point, explaining how the old covenant did it by saying, day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Right? That's describing his kingship, authority, and his majesty. In verse 14, For by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. Jesus, 
through his sacrifice on the cross, a once and for all, not a temporary sacrifice or one that needs to be made repeatedly, Jesus made one sacrifice and he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Those who believe in the perfect once and for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, where Jesus died, our sins were laid on him. His sacrifice was for all, not just a few select people, but it was for everyone. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy, referring to believers, those who proclaim faith in Jesus. Being made holy is a reference to sanctification, those becoming more like Christ with the Holy Spirit's help. The writer then continues with a neat cross-reference that points to the beauty of the continuity or the harmonizing of Scripture, which it's a messianic prophecy in Jeremiah 31, and how the Old Testament points to Jesus. So this is written hundreds of years before Jesus, as we read in verses 16 and 17 in Hebrews. This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. There's a messianic prophecy here in Jeremiah. A promise that when we receive Christ into our hearts and our lives today, we are given his law in our hearts and in our minds. So I've been talking kind of like on a high level, more so on this topic, but it's just important to recognize and to understand the importance of Christ's sacrifice and how it relates contextually to the scriptures and how we are brought from the old covenant and to the new covenant. Because when we talk about Christ's sacrifice, we need to understand why it is important and why it is significant. Those who believe in the sacrifice of Jesus, the ultimate, the perfect sacrifice, will be saved. God will not count their sins against them. That those who believe in Jesus, his sacrifice, his resurrection, and declare him as Lord will be saved into eternal life with Jesus through his work on the cross for us. Amen? And those who do that, as we learn in Hebrews 10, 18, says that sacrifice is no longer necessary because of the perfect ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And we're going to be moving into a time of communion shortly, which is a time when we get to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross and to remember and reflect on his sacrifice and the eternal life in and with Jesus our Lord, and reflect on that sacrificial love that he showed us. And the more that we look at the standard of what the law requires of us, the more we learn that we 
fall short and how much we can accomplish on our own. And the more we recognize how much we need a Savior and need His help within our lives. We recognize that we are selfish people and that we are all fallen people that need a Savior. And that it is only through the work of the Holy Spirit that we can begin to love like Jesus has loved us. But as we head into communion, just recognizing that we all fall short of the standards that are set before us with the law. And that we are all in desperate need to call on his name. Look to the cross. Look to his sacrifice. And trust in him for the salvation of your sins. Jesus said on the cross, right before he breathed his last, and he said, Tetelestai, which is Greek for it is finished. Meaning that the bill has been paid in full for you, for me, and anyone who freely places their faith in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. There's nothing that we did. It is only through the work of Christ. And we place our faith in him for the works that he has done for us. And that is what we will be celebrating in communion right now. So we're going to pass the elements here in a moment. And if you are new here with us today, we celebrate communion regularly, just as Jesus instructed. Communion is open to anyone who professes faith in Jesus Christ. And if you are a visitor here with us today and you profess faith in Jesus Christ, you are more than welcome to join us here in communion. We take communion to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, the new covenant. Communion is a reminder of our current and our eternal union with Christ. When we partake of the communion elements, that does not save us. It does not make us into a Christian, but we are doing this to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, the forgiveness of our sins for those who believe in the sacrifice of Jesus. Before we pass out the elements, let's just take a moment to individually reflect on the work that Christ has done for us on the cross and just confess to him any sins that we might be holding on to, confess them before God, give them to Jesus, and then I'll pray to conclude that time together. So let's go ahead and go into that time of reflection right now. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of forgiveness that is found freely in your sacrifice on the cross and given so freely upon those who call on your name and trust you as the Savior. We pray that you would help us where we fall short and help us to be disciples that sacrificially love one another.
just as you have loved us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.